Welcome back to the Turn of the Music Podcast. My name is Kyle. We have episode 10, and of course, I'm joined by CJ. How are you tonight, sir? Good, good. How are you, sir? I'm good. Yeah? How's the week going? Oh, it's, it's just been a week. It's been a bad <laughs> week. Yeah. Typically, we record on a Wednesday night. We're recording on a Saturday. I was sick at the beginning of the week, and it threw me off for the rest of the week. Gotcha. Yeah. So, I feel like, I finally feel like today... That I've gotten my energy back from being sick, so <laughs> like I needed, I should have taken the week off from work, but that just wasn't going to happen, <laughs> right? Yeah. How about yourself? It's been a weird week, and yeah. we might get to some of it during the podcast. I don't know, but it's been a weird week. Yeah, yeah. Like good weird or just weird? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, there's been like, you know. Bad weird stuff going on, but there's just been like weird weird, weird stuff weird going stuff. on. It's like yeah, some of it relates to the book, and some of it relates to the other book, and the what other, other book? book? The uh... both Spirit of Music and Oh really? Waking okay. Spirits. So it's been it's been weird. So. Hey, you know, I don't I don't know if you've noticed this, but and I think we've spoken briefly about it, but over the past few weeks, if I've been doing like reading it through, I, I've read it. And I'm going through the audiobook, and I'm going to do the same thing with the spirit of music, which I've done already. So now I'm going to go chapter by chapter again. But every time I go to read or listen to a chapter, it's like it's coinciding with what's going on mm-hmm. in my life. Yeah. And it's like, you know, it's it's one of those things where you're dealing and you're processing what's going on on that day or the day before. And then I yep. listen to the chapter. And I'm like, oh, that's actually a great way to look at it. Mm-hmm. Oh, I should use this. To, to process yep. what just happened right i'm sitting i'm going oh, this book yeah this book gets yeah. me and that's ass. kind of what i'm what i'm seeing is that some of, so many of the books that i'm reading are like that not only are they is it starting to make sense but like they're starting to like relate to each other right and like like think like there was stuff in this chapter that like directly correlates to, to awakening spirits and i was like all right i never noticed that before you know and i've kind of read awakening spirits before and read this book so many times but it never clicked until tonight that like there's a lot of stuff that's in common so you got a copy of awakening spirits oh i've had a copy for a long time oh okay okay my mom bought it for me like four or five years ago i just never finished reading it okay have you done done any research on tom brown jr very little so there's a lot of controversy with him is there there's a lot of controversy with him like how much of it is true how much of it is made up Mm -hmm. they're saying that he can, he, you know, when you meet him, he, you think he's a nice guy, but he comes across it. Like there's a lot of like yin and yang in a sense to him mm-hmm. that is, is on the surface. And I thought it was very interesting. Um, you know, so like there, there, there are a lot of people like huge, huge fans and like, oh, his stuff is great. And there's people that read his book and they read about him and like, is he really the truth? And the same thing happened with the saltwater Buddha book that I gave you that mm-hmm. you read. There was yep. this whole big talk about the fact that a lot of it was made up. And and I'm, I'm sitting here going, okay, let's say it is. Let's say it was mm-hmm. made up. Let's just say the whole story was made up. Right. What's wrong with that? Right. Like, what's wrong with that? If it's, if it's their way of sharing a thought process mm-hmm. or how to help somebody, what's wrong if it's made up? Yeah. Yeah. Or even if the, the truth is stretched a little bit. I mean, this book, we know the music lesson I'm holding it up because mm-hmm. we're doing on this on video, but the music lesson, we even know like it's hard to tell what's true and what's not true and where it lies, but it doesn't mm-hmm. mean it's not a good book. Right. So, all right. I'm curious to see what happens, but let's, yeah, we'll see. this is, this was an interesting chapter. This is the longest chapter I think in this whole yes. book. Yeah. Um, before we get there, what are you listening to? Oh yeah. Um, Corey Wong. Yeah. I've been listening to the live album. I keep going back to it. It's pretty good, right? I didn't, you know, I um I played it and then I stopped and then I was driving home one night and I was like, "Let me put it back on." And it was it's just I've listened through the the live album multiple times. Mm-hmm. It's actually really good. It's actually a really well-recorded live album. Yeah. I was shocked. I'm impressed at how like you could feel it. Mhm. 
you know, and I know yep. we've spoken about that before. You don't always get a good live recording. This is a good live recording. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, the horns are great. They don't, they yep. don't, they, even though they're powerful, they don't feel overpowering in the, yeah. in the recording. And, um, you know, it's a good balance. Uh, I don't feel like it's very heavy on one or the other. I think the bass, the mids, the treble, everything's balanced really well. Mm-hmm. You know, I think he comes out well when he plays. I, they, they did a very good job mixing it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. But, um, outside of that, honestly, I don't think I've been listening to much of anything else. Okay. How about okay. yourself? So last night we did um, Joanne Shaw Taylor, okay, who is a blues guitarist, mm-hmm. um, and she I, we did a live album that had um, Kenny Wayne Shepherd on it, uh, Michael Farris, and Joe Bonamassa, which I didn't realize. He oh, nice. The last three tracks, which was really cool. And then we did some Katie Pruitt, um, another artist I found this week. Um, she's an artist that focuses a lot on like teen issues, you know. You know, relationships, bad breakups, LGBTQ right. stuff, that sort of sure. stuff. Um, wonderful writer, fantastic voice. Um, and then we close off with Hannah Wickland. So um, she just had an album come out. Did she? I think it, yeah. Um, I think it's called The Prize. I, because I pre ordered the, um, the, the vinyl that she had done through her own production company. Um, and, I just got an email. Yeah, new album, the prize. It's oh, it'll be out. Okay, I apologize. It was a lo- It was announced that it'll be out October thirteenth. Okay, it's called the prize, and um, yeah, you can actually pre-order it now. It's actually Friday the thirteenth, actually in October. That's too funny. That's awesome. So she's got a new album coming out. So that's a good anticipation right there. Yep. Yeah, she's good too. Yeah, she is. Yeah. And, and it led to an interesting thought that I kind of pondered with Darren last night um, relating to more of the second book than anything else because mm-hmm. they, they talk about, you know, past lives and that sort of thing. And I was thinking we've we've said a lot that Hannah plays above where where her age is. Yes. And I was thinking, do you think that for those that believe in the past lives, like is that a, res- a, a resemblance of how many past lives they've had and how it bleeds through? Um, it's just kind of a weird thought. And I thought about like people in high school that I went to school with that were like so much more, like they were like 40 year old men in high school. Like it's like, could they be? And, and, and they were more in tune to this sort of stuff than I was. So it's like, could that be, I, I don't know. It's so possible. I mean, it really depends upon what your belief system is on past lives and how right. you, and what you retain. There's a lot of people that feel that you don't retain a lot of what you had in the previous life. And yep. there's also there's also discussions about how how much you retain and then what you retain in the next and the next and as it dwindles away that means you're going to stop coming back. Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot of weird conversations about this whole entire thing. I would think that something from your past meaning past lives, is retained to the point where it affects you in the life that you're in at that time. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it would it would be, I think it would be, um, what's the word? I can't think of the word. I, I think that that would be the case. So yeah, it would be very interesting. Yeah. I mean, she p- does play as if she's someone who's a lot older. Mm-hmm. And whether she started when she was three, four, five, six years old, I, I there's still something more behind yes. her playing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And and let's say you take the past life out of it, we don't know what she's gone through. Mm-hmm. We don't know if That's she had true. a good life. She's mm-hmm. had a bad life. She's had a traumatic life. We don't know that, and that that all plays a factor of what's probably bleeding into her playing as well. Mm-hmm. Sure. You know. Uh, so yeah, that's actually a very. Uh, and I'm sure that question is going to come up more as we go over through the second book. Yeah, yeah. Because there's a whole because once you learn more about Michael at the end of the second book, that all comes into question. Yep. Yeah. Interesting. Yep. Um, before I go off on a tangent, let's let's get to the book. <laughs> you have a tangent you want to go off on? No, I could, but I, you know, it's not important. Let's let's get to the book. Is it going to come up while we go through the book? I don't know. Who knows? Tangents are fine. Yeah, that's true. So we are on um, measure 10, which is space and rest. 
And um, the little tagline is, life is a lot like music. You've got to put some rest in there, which I think is kind of a cool thing. Yes. So where do you want to jump in on this chapter? <laughs> let's let's give a kind of a brief summary of what happens in the beginning of the chapter. So um, Victor decides to go to the bookstore. Um, for those who don't know what a bookstore is, um, <laughs> think about Amazon, but in a store form. Um, and for those that don't know, that. Amazon started as a book company. Um, <laughs> most of the people don't know that. Nope. Um, I had a I had a weird thing happen a couple of weeks ago. I was doing a, a demonstration of of some uh, tech stuff, and I asked the question in a, in a in the group of people at work, uh, who's ever seen Saved by the Bell? And there are so many young people in this group that have no idea what Saved by the Bell was. And I was like, good lord, <laughs> I'm so old. <laughs> That's too funny. So, um, so yeah, Amazon used to be a bookstore. Um, so anyway, uh, Victor went to the bookstore to look for some more Tom Brown Jr. books, which of course led me to think, I wonder what book he was looking for or what right. he found. Right, know? right, right. Um, because I think a lot of a lot of what happens later on in the chapter, again, goes back to the book that I'm reading. Um, so we'll talk about that when we get to it. And he meets this strange character named Isis, and Isis is um, a gift wrapper. <laughs> <laughs> and a psychic and she's everything she's, yeah. she's a gypsy yeah basically she's, yeah. yeah she's a gypsy mm-hmm. which led me down the rabbit hole of like we wonder who Michael is in real life like who's Isis in real life it's a good question is, maybe is she really she a real is a gypsy maybe, maybe she is yeah maybe she's not a real maybe she's just you know we don't know if these other characters how many of them are real or not. I mean, we know there's real ones. We know this. Mm -hmm. We know we can connect for most. And when we get later on the chapter, I'll I'll pull out some of the real ones. Yeah. Because you have a lot of of characters in this book, and they're they're actually based on real people. Yeah. But like Isis, for example, could just be a personality of Michael. Right. And he just made it a character to Mm -hmm. make it a little bit more poignant at that time. Yep. Yeah. No, that's a tough one. Yep. So they talk about math and all sorts of, you know, crazy number-related things, which I don't know that we need to get into it because it's, you know, it's interesting, but, you know, I think it's... It's better read than us trying to explain it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, at one point she said... um, God, there's so many microphones in the way. Um, Like members of a band, all the numbers have unique and important responsibilities. Zero is the yin-yang number. It represents opposites, something and nothing, fullness and emptiness, big and little, power and weakness, bottom and top. It is not a coincidence that its shape is round. I'm round. Just wanted to point that (laughs) out. Um, A circle is the size of shape. Uh, I'm sorry. A circle is the size of space. It has no beginning and no end. Many masterful things possess this shape, me being one of them. Uh, it is a holy shape. It is also the shape that all things eventually uh, revert back to, even a straight line. If continued long enough, uh, it will in due course make a circle. So the beginning of the chapter, she talks about the number zero and how it's both nothing and something at the same time. Because if you have the number zero before the number one, it's still one. But if you put the zero after the one, it becomes ten. So it's it's a weird number that can both be nothing and something at the same time. Right. And then they get into all the like the multiplication and the addition right. and how numbers relate to each other. And it's a lot of mathematics um, mm-hmm. uh, or a breakdown of certain mathematics that, mm-hmm. like, like I said, it's, it's probably better read than us right. explaining. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, but it, 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 she leads into space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then uh, I don't know where you're going from after that one, because uh, keep going. You go. You grab something. I was so I was going to. Um, I mean, we could jump even further ahead. Yeah. Um. But this is where 
So let's go like a page over. They're talking about like splitting the atom and how you have the atom in space and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And if a science, if a scientist could also look inside your mind, what would he find? He would find nothing but space. The same space found inside of the powerful little atom can also be found inside your mind. This should give you an idea of the power your mind possesses. Mind you, we're reading this and she speaks with a little bit of an accent. So there's a lot of like, it is in the nothingness of your mind. That's why Kyle and I are pausing a little bit as we read. It is in the nothingness of your mind that the infinite power resides. So the next time you say that you have nothing to do, you should recognize the potential power in that statement. And it's very interesting because I was thinking when I read that and I heard it and then I read it again, I'm like, that's true. Mm -hmm. Because you could look at it as I've accomplished everything that I need to accomplish for the day. Right. And I have nothing to do. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, there's just so many different, different ways you can look at it. Yep. Yeah. That I I think that was a that stood out to me. Um and then the next page she gets into a bunch of stuff like uh where is it? She said anything can be found within your mind. Right? That is where all the music lives in that space. Emptiness is the key. Think of something and then surround it with emptiness. One big zero. Your intention is enough to do the rest. Your mind does the shaping. Yes, but your mind creates nothing. No more than your bass creates music. So no more trying, only space. Trying to make something happen is like trying to walk a straight line when the policeman asks you to. Mm-hmm. Now, there is something that I noticed, and I don't know if you caught on to this, and I, I did um, kind of double underline it. To, to kind of point it out, but it's a little bit further ahead. So I don't know if there's anything that you have that you want to uh, share. After I this. honestly don't know where you are, so just keep going and I'll find pa- you. So I was on page 205. Okay, I and have then, something on 204 before you go then. Okay, go ahead. Um, and I, this is, it's an interesting thing because it kind of goes back to what we were talking about, the, the, the zero being both something and nothing at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, Isis says, listen, the same way a luthier who is someone that makes either a guitar or a violin looks inside a violin, what does he find? Space. Look inside the bass and what do you find? More space. But what comes out of this space? Music. So I think she's talking about an acoustic bass at this point, not a, an electric bass. But right. the interesting thing for me is if you think about like the inside of an acoustic guitar, it's probably something that we're all familiar with. If you look inside, there is space. There's nothing there. But without that space, you don't have sound. Right. So at the same time, it's the same thing. It's, you know, we had that zero before the one, and if you move it over, it's now it's 10. If you look inside the guitar, it's it's both something and nothing at the same time. Because right. spa- the sound can't resonate without that space. You'll just have, an, if you try to play an electric guitar, there's no resonance behind it because there's no space behind it. I just think right. it's an, an interesting thing. It's that yin yang thing again. It's, you know, it's both one thing and the other. The negative and positive space that you need exactly. in order for something to happen. Yep. Yes. Yes. That's good. That's true. That's a good point. Yep. Um, okay. More. Do you have more? I don't want to nope. cut you. Okay. So at the bottom of 205, it, the that is a mistake many people make when trying to enter into the world of conscious creating. You are creating everything anyway. So when you try too hard, you push it away. Again, the key to everything can be found in space. Like, don't don't try so hard, as I thought was very interesting. It was a good point. And, and that comes back later in the chapter. Yes. Um, now, this brings me down to the bottom of 206. And this is where I have that double underline under a specific word. So I don't know if you have anything before, anything no, afterward. Okay. So it starts, listen, my son, what I tell you. You don't understand me, what I tell you, but one day, one day, it'll all make sense. Listen to the numbers, my child, all of the of them, and understand the importance of zero. And now, this is what I thought was interesting. She goes, only Zen will you truly understand the power of space. And I started catching on that she says Zen a lot. Mm-hmm. Even though she's saying then, right. he writes it as Zen. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a there's a there's I, something. I was going to gonna ask you if you thought that too. There is. I think there's more to it than just writing 
then because Mm -hmm. it goes further whatever you hold in your hand don't let disrupting i'm sorry whatever you hold in your hand mind don't let disrupting thoughts get in the way place your thoughts in the middle of a big fat zero like the nucleus of an atom this is powerful when you learn to space yourself in the the center surrounding yourself with this power this space dot 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 zen meaning then Mm -hmm. like that was purposeful whatever you choose is certain yep i think there is a i i think the zen was is a is an important takeaway when when it's being used yeah yep for sure because this this chapter is about that zen zen that moment Mm -hmm. yeah yep um and it's funny because there's 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 so many play on words here yes you know victor's trying to figure out whether she's really talking about music and the bass or the bass numbers or right like there's so much like it goes on that goes back and forth you know that's just another one i think and i didn't really i I honestly didn't catch on to that until this time reading it you know out of all the times i've read this book it I didn't catch on to it until this. It's this subtle, though. It's subtle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and I, whoever, I, whether he wrote this chapter by himself, I mean, I think he wrote the book by himself. It's a, he did a very good job of putting those subtleties into the chapter because it mm-hmm. makes you question it. Yep. And I and I think that's awesome. Yep. And then, where is it? The last time she speaks right before he she she, before he leaves Mm -hmm. this is on page 207 and then before she mutilates pat wrapping up his book (laughs) um there's a paragraph and there's no accent there's no that there it's the, the paragraph has listened before you can fully understand the notes dear boy you must first understand the space you will place them in Space can be seen as the birthplace of all things. This is why all things are eventually attracted back to it. This is the principle of zero. Pay attention to what I'm telling you. Your understanding of this will allow you to pack your music with an immeasurable amount of power, the power to change the world and the power for the world to change you. But remember, you are responsible. It is now time for you to go. And she winks at him and she raises mm-hmm. his arm. But that paragraph does not have any z, zaz, this, no, zen. It it's all straight written. Yeah. Like it really is makes a point. So I, I think, and I think that. The, the one thing that you skipped out of that, which I thought was interesting, is space can be seen as the birthplace of all things. I read it. Oh, did you? Did it, I did. But don't repeat I, it because I think that's important. Yeah, yeah. I mean,. Because, I mean, that, again, it goes back to what we've been talking about. You know, it's, yeah. it's both something and nothing at the same time. Absolutely. So. Yeah. And then they then they say their goodbye. And he asks if she knows Michael. And she lists a bunch of Michaels that go all the way back centuries to present day. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but and I, and I, I think one of the things that she says as he's leaving, um, you know, now again, another play on words. Right. You stay wrapped up in the present and leave wrapping presents. Leave the wrapping of presents to me. Yes. Yeah. You know. Yep. It's too funny. Yep. It's a. It's a. It's a good character. Yeah. She's a good. She's a subtle character in certain mm-hmm. ways, but she's also it's a good character. Yep. Yeah. I'm. I and and I'm glad that she plays a bigger part in the next. Well, the, all the three of them, Clyde, yeah. Michael, Uncle Clyde, Michael, and her play a big part in the next mm-hmm. book. Yeah. Then he decides to leave and head home. So I don't know if you have everything you want to say before we get into that. Nope. Let's get to that part. Right, go for it. So they head home um, and they start talking about, you know, ISIS and whether Michael actually knows him. And I, I jumped to 211. Okay. Know, um, so, um, so, who says this? I don't even know where I am anymore. I don't know where I am. <laughs> um, so Michael asks, okay, then what note would the number zero represent? So I, he had to think of uh, Let's go back. There's, there's a little bit more before. So um, they're talking about the number thing, right? And um, uh, where did he ask the question? There it is. In music, do you, in music, you do understand how one relates to eight, don't you? So 
Um, for those that don't know, um, when we're in music, we, we tend to number things a lot. So um, if you look at the major scale, there's seven unique notes. And for the sake of ease, we'll just do the key of A because it's every letter. So it's A, B, C, D, E, F, G, and then you go back to A again. So um, in music, we number those things. So A would be one, B would be two, C would be three. So what they're saying is that you know, the first note, A, as a singer, we call that Do, okay? And then, or A, or whatever key you're in, you know, and then it's the same, it, it, number eight is the same note, just an octave higher. Um, so then later on, uh, Michael asks, what does the number zero represent? Because we've got one through eight, but we talked about the number zero being somewhere, and, and Victor finally says, zero has to re represent space, no notes at all. If zero makes all the other numbers possible, Space must make all the other notes possible. And I don't know where it was. I think it's in this book somewhere. Um, but I think it was Michael that said, you know, if space didn't exist, every every music that has ever been played would still be playing because there'd be no end to it. Right. It was in this. It was in this. Yeah. I can't remember yeah, what chapter it was in, but I know it's, it's somewhere. I think but. it's when they start talking about um, the elements. Like it's, fairly at the beginning of the book. Yeah, I think so too. Um, so the, the interesting thing, um, kind of going back to what you know they were talking about earlier, is you know everything's kind of based on the number nine. And in music, the way things work is things add up to nine. So like the fourths and the fifths, they're representative of each other um, because like from a C to F, that's a fourth. But from an F to a C, that's a fifth. It always adds up to nine. So from C to E is a third. From E to C is a six. Six plus three is nine. So it's kind of weird that like like even like if you look, go through nine times tables like it's the same thing you know it works the same way, um, and the, there's there's so many correlations to music relating to math, um, and that's just one of them. Um, there's so many reciprocals, and again yin yang, you know c is the c to f is the opposite of f to c, you know it just it flips around. No, that's that's the nerdy part of music right there. Yeah, that's the theory and stuff. You know, yeah. and then um, Michael does go on to say on the next page, many people will study hard trying to understand all the information at once, not realizing that, it's, that it probably wouldn't make them play any better. Knowledge is not meant to be gathered all at once. And he states, allow Isis's information to simmer. All that she told you will not make sense, will, will make sense in due time. And, you know... And then she goes, he asks if she spoke about the birds and the bees. And she does mention something about birds and, and magic. Mm -hmm. um, and then he goes further on to state that, um, I told you that music is played with the mind. And she gave you everything and simple clu clues to use it to your full potential. And then they get into, I think this is a very interesting part of the book. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to let you take this one, though. I don't know where you were going. I was going to the whole thing about him going outside and the birds. Okay. Is that where you going to talk about that at all? Yeah, I was. Good. Take it. <laughs> <laughs> so at this point, um, Michael basically says, uh, go outside, and in 12 seconds, a hawk's going to fly over your head. And sure enough, he goes outside, and the hawk flies over, and... Um, he asked how Michael how he knew that what was going to happen, and you know his answer was it was the absence of sound essentially. You know he heard that the, as the birds were stopped chirping, the you know he knew something was coming, and then we, they talked about you know how you know if the the birds are in a tree and something approaches them from the ground they squawk, but if there's something approaching from above, um, that you know it's usually an animal of prey, so they they get quiet because they don't have the ability to hide as easily when there's something above them. And then um, shortly after that, um, Michael gets the hawk to land on his arm and then land on Victor's arm as well. What is your thought on that? Do you think that that's plausible? I and don't I'm, know. Right, so then the reason why I bring this up is because essentially this is a wild hawk. Yeah. This is not a, this is not their pet. Mm -hmm. This is not a pet right. of his. This is a wild, untrained hawk that mm -hmm. supposedly lands on his arm. Right. What's interesting is how the hawk plays a role 
more so in the next book. Yes. You know, and, and there are, there are people out there who believe that we have spirit animals mm-hmm. that comes from the more native American stuff. Um, so it's interesting that the Hawk is kind of Michael's spirit animal because it comes back so, so often. Right. So, I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know how plausible it is that a Hawk, you know, lands on him, but I, I, think I don't, I, I mean, th- I, I mean, I've seen Hawks do that with people and there's a lot of, protective gear that you need for that to actually happen so probably not but who knows i mean the animals sense you Mm -hmm. they know if you're good or bad or not right i mean i have i've twice saved birds stuck in a tree Mm -hmm. like i was i was this was when i was younger i was out we were horseback riding and i was walking up the path and i heard this bird and it couldn't get out of the bush so I actually put my hand into the bush. The, bu- the bird hopped onto my finger and I pulled the bird out mm-hmm. and he flew away, you know? And then there was another time where um, there was, I think it was another bird. It was stuck or something. And I put my hand out and the bird hopped into my hand and then I was able to bring it where like, it's like I, there's, there's, I, that's why I say there's some, I think there's some to it, something to it, mm-hmm. but I agree with you because Whenever we see anything that has to do with a hawk, if it's a trained hawk, they have all this leather protective gear. Right. So it's like, he's going to destroy that arm. It's just, mm-hmm. it's yeah. Like, it's like, and, and what's weird is I've, I've seen twice um, re- in the in like Instagram posts recently. So one of the podcasts I listen to is a, it's a great podcast if you guys like, you know, people talk, talk about weird stuff, woodworking in particular. Um, but one of the guys is working in someone's home and they were doing a big like display window and there was no window in there for a long time. They finally put the window up and then a bird flew into this window from the inside. Um, it was a hummingbird. Wow. So he was able to catch the hummingbird in his hand and go outside and release it. And another thing, another post I saw was a similar where they're doing work at a house and they found an American kestrel and it was stuck in a house. He grabbed it and let it go. So, I mean, yes, it's possible, but you know, I don't know. I don't know how no. realistic this encounter. No, was. no. I, I, I'm just. Uh, yeah, no. I mean, we don't. We don't know. We'll never know for sure how real it was. But right. I think there's a plausibility to it. Oh, sure, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, they go through this and they talk about. So this is like on page two sixteen. That's what Michael says. Animals respond to your feelings. You need to get your thoughts out of your way to sh- so you um, so that you, your true feelings can speak. And then and, they lead into that. Meditation. I totally agree with. Yes, you know, with with the amount of of dogs that I have fostered over the years, and the I've seen people trigger fights in dogs just by their energy, like right. that. I one hundred percent believe. Um, and one of the reasons, one of the things that I was known for in the in the Greyhound group was I was the one that dealt with the aggressive dogs, the fearful dogs, because I of the energy that I was able to right. instill in them and produce, and um, so. I don't know. That that part I do I do think is true. No, it's a hundred percent true. I I I'm very lucky. Most animals have no problems with me. I have never had an animal really back away from me. Mm-hmm. You know, even even ones that you would expect to be vicious towards you, they're they're fine. Right. You know, I tell the story. I tell the story um, of when I went up to New Hampshire, um, and I was at my ex wife's house, and we were just we were. Uh, were hanging out and they had a dog, a German shepherd, her, her, uh, father. And the, the dog was on a chain and, and they had him out there as a guide dog. Like the dog was just, that's how the dog was. I mean, they took the dog in, don't get me wrong, but mm-hmm. it was a guard. I mean, guard dog, not guide dog, guard dog. And it was, they were inside and I was like, I'm going to go pet the dog. And they're like, no, the dog's going to like bite you. I'm like, no, the dog's not going to bite me. I'm not really too concerned about that. And I walked up to the dog with about a foot of space between between us. I put my hand out and the dog comes running over, sits down and licks mm-hmm. my hand. And then after he licked my hand, the dog laid down and let me rub its belly. You know, like there was no problem. The dog did not try to attack me. The dog didn't try to do anything. You know, it's like so I totally agree with you. There's we we set off enough energy that animals know the difference. Yep. You know, yeah. But this leads us into the meditation scene in this book. Yep. So I want 
I want you to this because you talk we've talked about meditation before and you've mm-hmm. talked about how you've you've yeah. actually taught it or and mm-hmm. shared it. Um this is what one I've you, never tried before, actually. I've so done, you you've never focused your energy like this? Not like this. I, I mean in a different way, yes, but not not moving energy around the way they do. Okay. Um so, so then I I don't know if you have any points highlighted in this that you want to read. The entire thing. <laughs> okay, so let then let's just give a background to it. So essentially Michael teaches Victor how to meditate. Mm-hmm. And Victor being excited feels a tingling in his body and Michael basically says to him harness that tingling, right? And gather that tingling. And allow yourself to concentrate on it to bring it up into your system and allow you to build that energy inside of you all right and it teaches and he teaches him how to focus that energy more to the center of his body mm-hmm. versus his whole entire body right yep and it victor learns that the harder he tries to do it the more that energy goes away, where if he just kind of relaxes and ease into it, it's easier for him to maintain that feeling, that energy the whole entire time. And then Michael says, send me the energy, which is what Michael did to the red tail hawk was send him his energy in order Mm -hmm. for the hawk to come to him. Right. So Victor takes his time and manipulates the energy inside of him and he takes it and Michael walks to the other side of the room and he sends the energy over to him and he makes note to state that the energy looked like a zero, like a circle mm-hmm. as he sent it over to him and he sent the energy over there. And Michael said, um, he was jealous that he was able to do it on his first try. Cause when he first tried to do it with the hawk, the hawk, the hawk couldn't catch his energy. Right. He missed so it in the wrong direction. Yeah, so, uh, and the big thing is he states that your intent must be pure, Yep. you know, and, and that all that stuff. So he talks about harnessing the energy. So you've, you've never meditated to that capacity. No, not, not in that capacity. So one of the, the meditations I do is a, what I call loving kindness meditation, mm-hmm. where instead of moving the energy around, you just envision it around people that you're trying to um, shower with loving kindness, essentially. Um, but I've never tried manipulating it and moving it around the room like that. Um, so what is your thought process? Though? What mm-hmm. is your thought process on energy? What do you mean? So you stated that you have an energy with dogs. Yes. And you have the ability to, to calm them in a sense where they don't mm-hmm. feel, um, threatened by you, Yep. which is essentially what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Do you feel that that is an energy you can control? Yes. Do you feel that... I'm sorry? Yes. Yes. Okay. So do you feel that you could send that energy to somebody else? Not I just I probably could. Yeah. Okay. So you, so you believe I've, in this whole idea I do, of energy? Yeah. I've just okay, never okay. tried it. Okay. Um, mostly because I'm, I'm afraid that I'd fail at it, which I know is stupid, but... Well, no, That's because the they say your works. intent must be pure. And it's not that your intent right. isn't pure, mm-hmm. but you don't want to, if you're questioning it, then it's not 100% pure. And that's not a negative right. thing. It's just right. you don't want to do the wrong thing. Right. What's really interesting is that when you read um, Awakening Spirits, yes, it's alphabetical order, Awakening Spirits. I always get the two words mixed up, either Spirit <laughs> Awakenings or Awakening Spirits. Um when you read the book, they talk about um, the sacred silence, and it's essentially this meditation right. that Michael take, t- talks you through, which makes you think, like, was that the book that Victor found, or is, do these things relate so much? You know, we, we always we, we talk about religions and how they're essentially the same religion with just different takes on them, essentially mm-hmm. different names, like Absolutely. all basically the same thing. Like, could this all be part of that, you know, it's the same stuff, just with, you know. I mean, it's plausible. I mean, it's very plausible. So, But it's, it's I, I think that, I think the big part of this whole meditation is the centering of oneself. 
Right. Is, is So take the energy out of it. Your I- thought or your idea of meditation is to center yourself. Mm-hmm. And it helps you kind of like reorganize in a sense. Yep. Which is why I meditate. And I, I, I got back to it a few weeks ago. I'm hoping to get back into it do more regularly. But it helps you center yourself and center mm-hmm. your thoughts and get yourself into a position where you're like, okay, I can, I can reattack the situation and, yep. and see things a little bit more clearly now. Yep. And this, this past week I was reading, you know, Awakening Spirits and it was when, when Tom Brown did this for his second time, it's called a vision quest. So he went out, it was actually right. a four or five day thing that he was out in the woods, you know, whatever. And he had such a hard time because he was trying so hard to do it and he was so worried about failing that it didn't actually happen until he stopped trying, which right. is exactly what Michael says here. You know, don't try hard, try easy. Right. Right. So how does this relate to music? <sighs> well, there's because, so many ways it relates to music. I yeah, think. no. And that's the thing. I think the the big thing is the pure intent. Yeah. When you're playing, you're not just playing to play. There's more mm-hmm. to it than that. Yep. And, and how you focus your energy into the playing is how people are going to respond to you. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I mean, that's the simplest form of explanation yep. for that. I think. Yep. I agree. So, do we do we go on to the to the cafe? Yeah, let's go on to the cafe. Uh, I don't really have a lot underlined on this. Yeah, there isn't there isn't a tremendous amount. They go to a cafe and um, there's a band playing, and in that band is of course Sam playing the bass. And a guy who calls himself the teacher. Um, wonder who that is. <laughs> Victor's brother, Reggie. Yeah. Um, and a guy playing the keyboard who has a tube that goes into his mouth. Wonder who that is. Joseph, his brother. Yeah. Um, and the groove regulator, J.D. Blair. Yeah. Who we'll hear on Sunday evening. Or who we heard on Sunday evening. <laughs> this is going to come out after we've heard him. Yes. So... Um, you know, again, all real people, you know, and then they call it Michael and Michael does, you know, Michael's thing and um, they call it Victor to play because Victor wanted to play with, with JD and um, they actually have gone on tour several times. I've met JD um, back at the Iridium actually, which oh, really? was the show, the show that I, I photographed that and made the book for Victor. Um I got there early because it was the Iridium is one of those was clubs where you can go and have like dinner before and then just kind of hang out for the show. Sure. So while I was eating dinner, he actually JD Blair came out and sat next to me, and we were just talking about music and how I found Victor and that sort of thing. Um, it was very much like the conversation that Victor had, just kind of that matter of fact, just kind of chilling out, sure. chewing gum. Like it was, it was him. Like it was, yeah, totally him, uh, which is really cool. Um, and JD's just a goofball. He's so funny, and um, yeah. So the the importance of this is that there there are solos that take place, and the drummer takes a solo, mm-hmm. and in his solo he does about eight measures or so of intense grooving and grooving, mm-hmm. and then he stops and he's bobbing his head up and down. Michael's bobbing his head up and down. Sam is the whole group, the whole audience, and the audience. bobbing their head up. Bobbing the head up and down. And after about four measures of that happening, he just hits the splash symbol one time. Mm-hmm. And to sit there for another four measures, everybody bobbing their head. And then as soon as those four measures are over, he goes back into the groove. Mm-hmm. And he brings it all together. And And that was Victor going, oh my, yep. there's a space. Yep. And, and, and he says, uh, even though no one was playing the drums or any instruments for that matter, the groove was still there. The whole yeah. room could feel it. It was as solid as, as it had been all along. All along, the fact that he laid down such a strong groove for so long allowed us to all continue feeling it. And I think that goes back to you know the the, the chapter about um, rhythm with Sam, and you know Sam talks about music's heartbeat, and I think that's that's similar, you know, and that's that's how I was doing that rhythm thing and how Sam does that rhythm thing, you know, it's almost like you can feel like the buildup of the, the downbeat and then you can hit it. But right. you have to know where that, that peak is. It's hard to find the peak, but there is a buildup of energy there and that's what you focus on and you have to feel what that, 
you know, right before the release, you know, it gets to a spot where it's just so intense and then it just stops and then it builds up again. And I think that that's part of, you know, that, that groove is music's heartbeat and that, you know, just like our heartbeats change, I, I believe that music's heartbeat changes too. Oh, of course. And I, and I think part of this is that idea of we focus too much on the one, two, three, four, and we mm-hmm. don't focus on the feel. Right. And, and that's where that, that comes down to is that if you just feel it, you'll get that one, two, three, four. It'll happen. Yep. It's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, totally. Um, let's see. So all that said and done, they're doing, they, they stop playing and then they sit down at the table and they have a conversation with the drummer. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the drummer says that Michael should be talking instead of him. You know, Victor says, you know, what you did was unbe- was a be- uh, uh, unbelievable. And then I don't know what you have underlined from the drummer. I'm assuming you may have the same spot, so I'm going to let you Yeah, take probably. That. So um, Victor asks him how to understand space better, and he says, start by first understanding rests. Rest is related to space, but not as broad, which I think is a really good way of putting it. Yep. Um, your solo tonight was really good. He talked about solo for a little while. Um and he says uh, that he rushed a lot of the ends of his solos, of his phrases. Um, he was not in the right space. And um, he was anxious to play the next set of notes, and that's why he kept rushing. Uh, but in simpler terms, you play the notes, but not the rests. If you don't play the rests, give them the same attention that you give the notes, you'll rush. Simple as that. And I, I remember in high school, one of the things that my, my choir director would always say, rest is just an inaudible note. That's all it is. But it's important. It's a note still. Like even though it has no sound, it is a note that you need to play. Absolutely. And that's what they talk about in a paragraph. They talk about how mm-hmm. uh, when we first take lessons and all that stuff. But there's one line in that paragraph. He goes, "If we pay attention to the rest and really learn how to use them, we find that they can speak louder and deeper than the notes." Which yes. is essentially what you said in your own words. Mm-hmm. Um. And it's funny because he talks, he's like, what, what do you think you should do if the audience is loud? You know, and our response is, you know, you always get louder mm-hmm. and it's, it's not true. No, it's not. You can't like, if you get louder, they're just going to speak louder. But if as soon as you quiet down to the, the quietest you can get, mm-hmm. that's when someone starts to listen to you Yep. because they're going to under, they want to understand what happens to sound. And they use a, a baby, for example, where like if there's sounds going on, the baby's sleeping, but then as soon as you, the, st- the sound stops, the baby wakes up. And it's true. It's kind of like when you take a baby from the city that's used to all the background noise of the city and you bring mm-hmm. them out to where there's no noise, mm-hmm. they don't sleep as well. Yep. You know, my uncle moved out from uh, from Brooklyn. My family moved out from Brooklyn and they liked they bought a house that was close to the train. Just so that train once in a while went by, it was like that that like they mm-hmm. got used to it now and they're they're good yeah. and if the train wasn't there to be fine but like it was kind of their way of like inching their way out to the island mm-hmm. is you know yeah i was gonna say it's not just babies it's people too there's some yeah, people who can't see yeah, a, a fan or you know noise yeah. going on yeah and i go through those phases too where i need to have like the tv on or music on. well not really music because music tends to keep me up because i start analyzing it but <laughs> um you know i need to have something on sometimes and like i'm in that phase right now where i need something on to go to sleep to it's just I don't know why, but, and then like a month ago, I needed complete silence. I don't know. Right. Yeah. It's interesting how we go through those phases. Yep. Um, and then he talks about getting people to listen mm-hmm. and, he, and he says, you can make them listen without their, w- without their even knowing it, but you can make them listen without their even knowing it. Should it be? Whatever. The best way to do that is through dynamics, or even better, through space. Create silence and let the next sound that speaks to them be your bass. If done well, they'll listen to you for the rest of the night. That's all I did for my solo, meaning the drummer talking about what's well, all I did for the solo. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, and that, and they just that's what they talk about. They just talk about using space to your advantage. Yep. Um, I don't know. Do you have any more? I've got more in the chapter, yeah. Good. Um, sorry, <laughs> smacking them. I don't know where to where to hold this. I need like a. <laughs> I don't know the, what to do with my hands. <laughs> we were talking about 
What was the show that it was? Oh, it was, it was, um, I think it was a paranormal show, but it was like before like ghost hunters, like before technology got like decent and they'd walk around with like the giant thing that came over the top of yes, their heads with the, yes, with, yes, like, the yes. giant camera. Like, yes, so yes. That's yes. what I need. I need like to like sit here so I can like. You, like, you need something that that's, you need a helmet on the top of your head that you can mount your Kindle to. Yep, because I don't I don't know where to put it. Like I got a <laughs> microphone here. I'm hitting this microphone. I don't know. I've changed the angle of this microphone and it's better, but it's also worse. I don't know. That's too funny. Um, what I was going to say about about you know JD and and his solo about you know trying to make people listen. I'd say I did a lot, and that's one of the things as an organist you need to do is part of your job is to control the congregation. Um, like there are times where either before the service or during like communion or something, you know, part of the job is you need to make sure that the chatter doesn't get so loud that it becomes distractive. You become um, the smite of God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah so you know like like th- there were times where i would like i would sense it like building so right. i played just loud enough so people could hear me and then i would drop out so i'd like duck the conversation down again so that's something i did all the time i, I never you didn't really play louder felt... well i i did at one point i i played louder to get their attention to realize there was something going on and then i pulled it down oh okay so you use both okay use both i use oh, both that makes sense that makes you know, sense because yeah because yeah. you know, unless they heard it they wouldn't know that it was missing you know, so I right. had to, you know, almost. So I, I've used it a lot. Um, so yeah. So basically, you screamed at them, and then you lowered your voice. It, yeah, essentially. <laughs> <laughs> but one of the one of the things that I love is that um, you know JD says, or the groove regular says, start with rest. Learn how to make rest speak louder than a note. Play a musical line, then start leaving notes out, putting the emphasis on the rest. And I think that. Like Victor does this so well. Like if you ever watch him solo, when he's using his looping pedal, he'll actually just like start playing scales and melodies one note at a time. So he'll start. He'll play one note and then he'll wait the full thing. Then the note will play itself and he'll play the next note right after it. And he he'll actually build a melody and a bass line or a scale one note at a time by waiting for the whole thing to loop. And his time is just so good that he can do that. And it's. The way he does it's so good, and it involves space, but also not space at the same time. Right, 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 right. And then he says, uh, create space in the appropriate way, uh, then fill the space with solid emotion. You won't, you won't have to project it nowhere. The space you created will draw the listener right into it. And then he scooted his chair away and began to stand up. That's the good stuff. Learn how to make that work, and you're on your way. Again, Victor does it all the time in his shows. And then... There's one line that's said um, by Michael. We have a meeting with the, the end frog. Of this. I'm sorry. We have a meeting. No, no, with no, the no. Frog. Before that, he goes. <laughs> he goes. Um, uh, Victor says that the drummer was incredible. He and Michael says he's credible. I think mm. I enjoyed playing. I think he enjoyed playing with my mind as much as you do. And then Michael goes. Most people work with their minds when playing with them can be much more effective. Mm. And I thought that was kind of. Like, I know he doesn't mean that. It's like, let's play with people's minds. But in a sense, that's what he's saying is that let me give you stuff to think about because it's more effective. Right. Yeah. And then they have a meeting with a frog. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, the next chapter is very interesting. Mm-hmm. I, and the next chapter to me is, I like it because I want to try it. <laughs> yeah. It's one of my favorite chapters, actually. It is. It's a great chapter. Such a great chapter. Yep. Um, but uh, this the the whole space thing I think is is so important. Mm-hmm. You know, a space in everything. Like you need space from work. You need space from doing something at home. You need space mm-hmm. from you know being around people. You need like everything. And and it's not a negative thing. It's just no. knowing when it works for you. You know, nah, you don't owe, people don't always know, you know, they don't. So you said you had tangents, but I thought you were going to go off on tangents or whatever. Yeah, I didn't. <laughs> I thought is I there, was Is too. there anything you felt you wanted to add that you didn't go into? No, I think I'm all right. No. <laughs> so do you like, 
excuse me, do you like the Awakening Spirit? I do. Good. It's, I'm going to try to find dense. a copy. Yeah, it's very sure. dense and it's a it's not an easy read. It's a lot for at least for me. It's a lot of rereading and there's a lot of stuff everywhere that to pull apart and digest and. But I'm okay with that. Like that's yeah. cool me. I'm very big. I I love Native American stuff and I love the um, the the vision quests that they do and I think mm-hmm. that whole thing is amazing and yeah, you know. It's something I'm very interested in. Right. The Saltwater Buddha, I think, was an easy read. I, I flew oh, yeah. through that book. This one, I, I, I've i read several chapters over already. Yeah. Just to make sure I got everything. No, The Saltwater Buddha is, I think, a, is, a, is a great book to read. It is a very easy read. Mm-hmm. I like how he did it. It's almost yeah. as, as a journal. Yeah. And, um... And it, it there it, you can there's very cool elements. It's it's it's, it's the the author's finding himself, mm-hmm. and it kind of just hit home to me because when I was reading it and I was kind of like reading the things that he was talking about, I'm like that's kind of like my timeline. And I found out that he's like the same age as me, so it, it was like oh that yeah. that hits harder, <laughs> yep. you know. Um, uh, but that no, that definitely was a that's an easy read, I, and and that's why I think it's a great thing to hand to somebody and be like you want. Check it out. It's an easy read. Because yep. the music lesson isn't a hard read. No. But it's not an easy read. No. Because it makes you really think. Yeah. And that's the reason why you go back and reread it. Not because you're not getting everything. It's because you're thinking so hard that you may miss something. Exactly. Yeah. That's really what it is. All right. Well, I think we should do our normal closing. I was I was giving it a rest, like a little oh. space. I'm just going to cut it out anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this is coming. Okay. So after this has come out, we played the second side of live in America mm-hmm. on our live stream. So every um, Sunday at 730, Kyle and I go live on Twitch. And every Friday night, Kyle goes live at eight o'clock. Uh, he's been sharing a lot of new artists, which is very cool. Um, and, do you ha- are you putting that stuff anywhere? The new artist? Do you share it anywhere? Mm-mm. Hmm. We have to figure out a way to share that stuff. I think that'll be fun. Yeah, because uh, I don't I don't build playlists. I just do it all through the queue in Rune. Yeah, yeah, and no, I no. Do most of it on the fly, so there's no like. Yeah, we'll figure out something. Remnants of what I've done. I mean, I mean over the past few weeks, you shared some good artists. The, yeah, I've got yeah, the videos so. of the stuff, and I've been thinking about. Um, a ways to to do the full show, but not on YouTube. So I got some ideas in my head to make that happen, but I haven't done it yet. So <laughs> we'll figure it out. Yeah, we'll figure it out. Uh, so fr- uh, so every Friday eight o'clock, check out Kyle. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, every- I started at seven thirty this Friday because I had two and a half hours of music right off the bat. And I went, oh, nice. Let's start early. So nothing wrong with that. Yeah, yep. that's awesome. Uh, every Tuesday, our episodes drop. So this came out on a Tuesday. If you're listening, every Monday, Kyle drops the visual episode on YouTube, which comes out about. Three or four weeks after I think it's it comes out. I think about two weeks. It comes out this week, I think. Okay. So about two weeks after you're able to listen to it in your ears. Um, every Friday, Kyle's dropping shorts on YouTube. So go check those out. Some of them of our horrible segues and other fun things. Mm-hmm. We have this a Discord. This past week was your first segue. Yeah, that's true. Um we have a Discord. We have all that good stuff. So check out our link tree too in our show notes. Uh, Discord, Instagram, uh, Twitter. There's an email down there. Everything good is in there. And I think that's that's all we. Uh, nope, we got, got our right Google now. Form that we need. Oh, to that's talk, right, so. our Google Form. So if you're listening to this, June 11th, our live show is going to be a show about covers, and we have a Google Form on our link tree. It's the second link down. That if you click on it, you can fill it out and share uh, the band and the cover song and the original artist of the song so we could play it on June 11th at 730. We uh, want this to be kind of an experience for everybody. Um, and what we mean by this is, for example, our one of our favorite covers that we've gone through over the past year was Disturbed's cover of 
Sound of Silence by Simon and Garfunkel. So that's what we're looking for, that type of stuff. So please take a moment, fill out a form. We, uh, one is enough. You can do two. And then if you have more, put them in the comments and in the, in the form and we'll, we'll get that list going for that day. So June 11th and then come join us five or six in there right now. So, okay. Feel free to do more than one. You don't, yeah, you can submit the form more than once. If you run to space, just keep going. That's fine. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, so yeah. And now I think that's it. I think so too. Yeah. And then, uh, so we'll see you guys next week. Uh, we'll see you on Friday and Sunday. Have a good one, everyone. Thank you for listening. See ya. See ya. Thank you for listening to the Turn on the Music podcast. We hope that you join us next week. Click on the link tree in our show notes to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our Twitch and YouTube channel. If you would like to continue the conversation, join us on our Discord. If you like what you heard, please share it with a friend. And if you really want to help us promote the show, head over to Apple Podcasts or the podcast service of your choice and give us a five-star rating. Remember... Always share the music. Happy.